Welcome to Joy Christian Center. We are a family church teaching people to reach their world. And uh, we thank you for being with us this morning. Those of you that are online, thank you for being a part of this service. It's uh, such a blessing. I, I This morning, I was kind of standing back here as I do, I pray. and different things. It's about 9.30, and I open up that door that's there. See that exit sign, by the way? If anything ever goes down, that's a good place to go to. Or that one over there, there's two behind me. I feel like an airline flight attendant. You know, there's exit doors in the back. Do not run to the children's area, because they will take care of that uh, if anything happens, and that we're planning on anything happening. But my whole point was I went out that door, and I saw a whole bunch of cars which are all the people that serve at Joy and children's ministry and worship team and tech team. And, and, and my heart was just so overwhelmed that people would care enough about you and you online that they would come and be here early and be prepared and be ready to go. So I think it would be appropriate. Let's give those folks a big hand just for being here today. I live with the reality that at times, you know, for, for most of us, church starts when we get here. And uh, whenever that might be, you know, that we get here. And, uh, but there's a lot of work that goes into making a service happen. We try to do everything that we can with excellence. We do try to do everything we can, the very best that we possibly can. But we always want to be sensitive to and open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We want, we want what God wants. I want what God wants for you more than anything else. And um, my heart is full. Several months ago, I felt like my heart was overwhelmed. My heart is so full today just of the goodness of God and the, the grace of God. And so excited about where we are as a church and I have a lot of things that I want to say and unpack today and in the next several weeks as we continue to move through. We're doing a series, we're in the third week and it's actually the final week we could go forever, uh, but, but in a final week of a series that we're calling Up There, Down Here. Up There, Down Here. Say that with me. Up There, Down Here. Now, for those of you that have been here since January on and off, whatever it might be, we've been Stuck on the word here, H-E-R-E, here. I did, a, I think it was a five-week series in January about that word here. What does that mean to be here? But we believe that, that because as people in general, I think it's a divine disconnect, discontent that's on the inside of us that we always want to increase. We always want to grow. We always want more. We always want to expand. We want to reach more. We want to do more just individually and, and collectively. But sometimes, and that brings us to, I want to be there. I want to be there financially. Some of you are in Financial Peace University, and, and, and you said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to deal with this debt. I'm going to deal with some of these things, because I want to be there. I'm here right now, and I don't like it here, but I want to be there. And, and, and part of that is because of, of the touch of God in your heart. It's, 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 what, it's a part of the DNA of God, I think, that God wants advancement. He wants increase. He wants growth for all of his children. But, but sometimes because our desire to be there gets so strong, we devalue what God can do here. And as we said in that series and in the next series that we called Hearing, H-E-R-E, Hearing, here, H-E-R-E, is where we H-E-A-R. It's where we hear. I can't hear over there. Too many people are, are, are pushing off to the future or they're making excuses for today. And they're saying, you know, well, after I quit doing this or when I start doing that or because I haven't done this, then God, but when I get over there, when, when this goes away, when that goes away, whatever it might be, when I get there, then. And we devalue here. And so in this series, up there, down here, it's really a, a, a play on, on that word here, but it's also a play in a sense, on, on, on the Lord's Prayer. When the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because we see something different in the way that you pray. 
Your prayers are different than the prayers that we pray because we've been praying according to the traditions of our, of our families. We've been praying according to the traditions of our Jewish customs and heritage. These were people of prayer. But Jesus, we see something different. And so Jesus then began to lay out the parameters of the Lord's Prayer. And part of the Lord's Prayer, we've talked about it, but part of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in, I lost my balance here, on earth as it is in heaven. Up there, down here. Up there, down here. And I asked you the question, two weeks ago I asked this question, what would it look like in your life because this is what Jesus said. He said, I want you to add this to your prayer life. I want you to pray this. I want to make sure that you understand that part of your prayers would be, Heavenly Father, I want your kingdom here. I want your will here on earth, uh, in heaven, on earth. I want that to be that way. So what would it look like? If that prayer were answered, what would it look like if that prayer were to be answered here? And I'm not talking about a general sense. We know that the kingdom of God is not manifest in, 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 in cities around this nation. It's not manifest in, in homes around this nation, around this world. We understand that the kingdom of God and the will of God is not manifest. The will of God is not being done. Can anybody say amen? And we can point our fingers and say, yeah, well, those people and them over there. And wouldn't it be nice if they would do the will of God? That's not the question I'm asking you. And that's not the point of the, the whole thing that we've been talking about for three months. It is your kingdom come, your will be done here. My life. God, you're the king of my life. You are the savior. You're the one that I have surrendered and I bowed my knee to. You are the king of kings and you are the Lord of lords. And my life is yours and I surrender to you. That's what you prayed. So what would your life look like? What would be, boy, we're just a strong start here this morning, don't we? What would your life look like? What would your home be like if the kingdom of God was the standard for your home? What would your finances look like if the kingdom of God were the standard for your finances? So your will be done. Hey, we can pray that. We can say it. But do we really mean it? And that's, that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning. Up there, down here. I believe that Jesus is and was, when he was on earth, he was the will of God. He was the kingdom of God. He was the very representation of God and what God wanted. In the book of Acts, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He was the will of God, the manifestation of God. He was the kingdom of God come to earth. Can anybody say amen? He was our example. And he's the one who said, I want you to pray this way. And so <laughs> this whole avenue of prayer is so important. And I want to share with you something in just a moment. But let me just encourage you. I know you already heard about this. But, but uh, this week, Monday through Thursday, we, we call it a week of prayer. Technically, it's four days of prayer. But it's easier to say week of prayer than four days of prayer, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, uh, one of the things that we set out to do a year and a half ago, five stones, five things that are important in this season of life at Joy Christian Center. And we want to increase prayer. We want there to be more and more and more prayer. And all the prayer warriors said, Amen. and the rest of us said, oh me. 
Because to some of you, prayer is boring. Prayer is dull. Prayer is powerless. Prayer is something you do when you're desperate. Prayer is something that, that we're trying to get something from God. And my life is pretty good, and I don't really need anything, so I guess I don't need to pray. Well, you're wrong because you don't understand what prayer is. Prayer is a relationship. Jesus, when the disciples had teach us to pray, he taught them a relational style of prayer. A lot of different kinds of ways to pray. A lot of different types and styles of prayer in the New Testament. This week we're going to pray a, a kind of prayer that basically is, is, is what we would call corporate prayer. It is the body assembling together to pray. It is going to be focused. It's going to be intentional. It's going to be something. Uh, we've got it from 7 to 7.30. We're going to do our best to honor that time frame. I'll start with a little focus. This is what we're going to pray about tonight. We're going to spend about 20 minutes praying. And then the last five minutes, we're just going to gather together. We're going to sing a worship song. And you can go do whatever you need to do. But we're going to come together to pray. This will be our first time since before COVID that we have actually gathered together in a corporate way to pray. And we have an example of that in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, right after the resurrection, the disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, all the other ones, they were out preaching the name of Jesus, and they were talking about the power of Jesus, and people were getting healed in the name of Jesus, and the disciples, the, or the religious leaders, did not like it. They drug a couple of them before the, the Sanhedrin, who were the, the, the movers and the shakers. They were the upper crust. They were the political and religious power of, of, of the nation of Israel at that moment, of Jerusalem. And they brought them together and they said, all right, no more preaching in the name of Jesus. Don't want you to say that name. And, and they couldn't do anything. They couldn't punish them because they saw the, the, per, the people that had been healed and the things that were going on. And I want to read this. Actually, I got a couple of scriptures that we'll put on the screen. So Booth, just go right ahead and use the ones that we have when you get to them or when I get to them. But it's a prayer for boldness. And it's an example of corporate prayer. And I want to read uh, this starting in verse 24. It says, so when they heard that, this is the disciples coming back and giving, it would be like me coming and Pastor Tim and Pastor John coming. And we're like, hey guys, guess what? We, we were just at the city council. We were with the governor. We were somebody. And they said, we can't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. We can't talk anymore in the name of Jesus. We're causing too much commotion because of the name of Jesus. And, and you're saying that we're the ones that killed Jesus, because you did. But you're the ones that killed Jesus and people are mad at us because everybody likes what, what you guys are doing. And, and so we give that report. What are we going to do? Are we going to preach it about the name of Jesus anymore or not? So they gave that report. This is what the disciples then said, or this is what Luke records, verse 24. So when they, that's the people, when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord, and they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And then they began to say this. They began, this is the essence. They didn't pray this. It wasn't a written out prayer. But this is the essence of what they prayed. They reminded God about something. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand against the rulers uh, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel, they were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. They were talking about the crucifixion. It looked like the Gentiles and Herod and all these other people, they actually carried out the execution, the crucifixion of Jesus, but it was foretold by the prophets. It was something in the plan of God that had to happen for our redemption. And so that's what they're referencing here when they say that to, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, everybody say boldness. boldness. With all boldness, they may speak what? Your word. Your word. 
By stretching out your hand, how do we speak the word? It's by the things that we do. It's not just quoting scriptures. It's by what we do. It's by how we live, how we act. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place that they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, I don't know that this place is gonna shake. Kind of think it'd be cool, but I'm also thinking about the damage it might cause. So, I, you know, I don't know if I really want this place to shake or not. But you know what I do want to shake? You and me. You know what else I want to shake? Kingdom of darkness. When Davy was, we were doing our service run through, and he mentioned that about, you know, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. And I was kind of chuckling back here. I go, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. They're, they're afraid. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. So that's happening this week. Want you to come and be a part of that. I have a couple of things that I want to share with you this morning. We'll start with this, and it's going to make me hungry, maybe you too. But yesterday, Shelly and I were dividing Easter candy for our grandchildren. Man. And I don't know what it is. How many of you like peanut butter? I love peanut butter. I, I know I couldn't eat it every day or have it all the time, but I feel like I could. If I had peanut butter in its various forms, you know, like with uh, butterscotch chips, chocolate chips, Rice Krispies, you know. Mmm, mmm, mmm. I mean, just, so, so I like peanut butter a lot. Not necessarily a big fan of the crunchy peanut butter, but I like peanut butter a lot. I one time went to the store and I got super extra crunchy peanut butter. It was just peanuts. But anyway, <laughs> not really. Anyway, I like peanut butter a lot, but you know what? I also like chocolate. Anybody like chocolate? Peanut butter, awesome. Chocolate, mm-mm-mm, really good. Put them together, awesome, beautiful, marvelous geniusness at work. Amen? Amen. Whoo, anybody getting hungry yet? Now, I thought about this and I didn't do it and I apologize. I was, all, I was gonna get a whole bunch of Reese's peanut butter cups and give them to you on the way out. I didn't do that, so I apologize because I care about your waistline. I care about, you know, I hear so many of you complaining about how overweight you are and everything else, so there you go. All right, so the reason I say that is this. Prayer is important. Prayer is powerful. We need to pray. And there are different kinds of prayer that are listed in the New Testament. Whether it is the prayer of, of faith, whether it is intercessory prayer, supplication, whether it is the prayer where we are surrendering our will because we don't understand fully what his will is what Jesus prayed in the garden. I don't know exactly, I, I want to do what you want me to do, Lord, but I don't know exactly how to do that, so help me. So there's different kinds of prayers to pray in the New Testament, but there's always one thing that is always, always, always appropriate when it comes to prayer that we need to incorporate in our prayer life. In fact, it might be the reason that some of our prayers go unanswered or that we give up on our praying or we have quit praying altogether. In Philippians chapter four, it says this, <clears throat> Philippians 4, 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. How often is always? always? Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, because he understood that his people are like, the people he was writing to are kind of like us, he, re, he reinforced it. Again, I say, rejoice in the Lord. So maybe, let's just take a second. Let's say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. That was weak, but we're getting there. All right. Rejoice in the Lord always. Why do I have to rejoice in the Lord always? And Paul says, again, I say rejoice. Because how many of you know that there are moments and times that things aren't worth rejoicing over? Right? 
There are things that happen in our life that are not joyful. They are not fun. That's why James came later and he said, count it all joy when you fall into various tempting testings and trials, knowing that the trying of your faith is working patience. And let patience have that perfect work so that you can be perfect and entire and not want anything at all. So he said, rejoice. Because there are, there are things in life, if you give voice and give place to the things that are not worth rejoicing over, they will begin to control and consume your life. So my rejoicing is not in what's happening. I don't save my rejoicing for when the answer comes. I rejoice in the Lord always. At every, when I get up in the morning, woohoo! When I go to bed at night, woohoo! When some knucklehead pulls out in front of me, woohoo! No, Pastor, I rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Verse 5, let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Means he's coming. He's on. He's coming. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. The word anxious. Don't get stressed out. The stuff that's causing you to lose your joy or your rejoicing, don't get stressed out about it. Don't be anxious for anything. Don't be worried about anything. It's like what Jesus was preaching in Matthew chapter 6, and we've gone over that. He said, why are you worried about the things the Gentiles are worried about? Don't you know that the Heavenly Father knows what you have need of? Do we not know that he already knows? What we, he knows you need a car. He knows you need a job. He knows you need a house. He knows your kids need an education. He knows those things. He cares about those. He's seeing those things. And that's why Paul is telling you, rejoice. Because you've got a heavenly father. You have an Abba father, a daddy father who possesses heaven and earth and, and, and everything that's in it. And I think he can, he's smart enough and powerful enough to get it to you. So he goes on, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in every, in everything, in all of those things that bring stress into your life and all of those things that bring uh, weight and burdensome things into your life and all of those things and all those, in all those things by prayer and supplication with what, with what, with what, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Then he says, let your requests be made known to God. My prayer life has to go hand in hand with my praise life. And my praise life and my prayer life, there should be really no shadow. They, they should be hand in hand. When I am offering prayer, I'm offering thanksgiving. When I'm coming before God, I'm coming to a God whose ears are open to my prayer. His ears are open to the prayer of the righteous. His hand is not shortened or heavy. His ear isn't deaf. He hears us when we pray. Let your request be made known to God. Prayer and thanksgiving, or prayer and praise. Chocolate and peanut butter. Prayer is good. It's powerful. We need to pray. Praise is good, and it's powerful. Some of you have been lied to by the enemy, and people are saying, well, I really don't know how to sing, and I feel kind of funny about that, and I'm a little bit intimidated, and, and you know, I can't be crazy like those other people. You can praise. I said, you can praise. And if you want your prayers to be effective, then you better learn how to praise. <laughs> Prayer, important. Praise, important. Put them together, powerful. I said, you put them together, they're powerful. <laughs> It'll cause things to shake. It'll cause things to shake. Prayer and praise. Notice what Paul goes on to say. 
Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I think in the context of what he is saying, we could say it this way. The peace of God that passes understanding. What's one of our biggest problems when it comes to prayer? Heavenly Father, I'm praying and I'm asking you. And then we, we start checking we, we start checking what we see. We start checking what we hear. We start checking what we feel. And then we start to wonder, how come I don't feel it? How come I don't see it? When is it ever going to change? When is it, is it? God, do you even hear me right now? The peace of God that passes understanding. Notice what, what the combination of prayer and praise will do. He says, it will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ. Prayer and praise will bring protection to your heart and to your mind. Prayer and praise brings protection to your heart. What is it protecting you from? It's protecting you from the lies of the devil. It's protecting you from the circumstances that are around you. It is protecting you from the, your heart Guards your heart. Your heart is the power source. Whether you realize that, not your physical blood pump, but your spirit is the power source. Paul said this, that, that with, with, with the heart, we believe. It's with the heart that we believe. This works in salvation. With the heart, man believes unto salvation. With the, or with the mouth, confession is made unto righteousness and salvation. I can't remember exactly. The, I have to ask Dr. Lambert later. But anyway, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. We declare that Jesus is Lord. Was that right, Pastor Tim? Thank you. All right. You better say yes. I'll fire you. No, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, hallelujah. Boy, Pastor Brian, I didn't even have a whole lot of coffee today. This is, I didn't have that either. Praise the Lord. He said, did you have candy? I said, no. Darn it. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, exactly. All right. So prayer and praise brings protection to my heart and to my mind. When I'm praying and then praising, and I'm not necessarily waiting until I get the answer, I praise in advance. I'm just like, God, you're powerful. You're, you're, you're almighty. There's nobody who is like to you. Your ears are open to my prayer. Father, I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And I, and I just go on to, to praise God. The other thing that Paul said, the peace of God will rule in your heart and in your mind. Prayer and praise brings the peace of God into your life. So these things together... And I think we have to move beyond the idea you saw a form of corporate worship and praise this morning, every Sunday morning. That's what we do. Please do not think that that's all that prayer praise is. When we've been encouraging you in the first 15, five minutes of prayer, five minutes of Bible reading, and five minutes of worship. You need to incorporate those in, in whatever order and don't be legalistic about it. You know, I, I do set a timer, but, but that doesn't mean a whole lot. And so don't be legalistic about those things necessarily, but incorporate them into your life because this is one of the things that Jesus said, hallowed be your name. I've spent some time in worship. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So with that kind of little yelling at you backdrop this morning, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about Palm Sunday because today is Palm Sunday. How many of you grew up with the tradition of you got palm branches when you went to church? All right. Now, I always thought, forgive me, and this is not a, I always thought that it was a Catholic tradition to get palm branches. Because my church that I grew up, I grew up in an Assembly of God church, I never got palm branches. And I was a little bit envious when I would get home after church on Sunday. I was always a little bit envious of my Catholic friends because they were all carrying around their palm branches. And they weren't worshiping Jesus with They were whipping each other with them. <laughs> And I didn't have a palm branch to whip anybody with. 
So I had to go get like a willow branch or, you know, just some kind of branch that I, I could at least fend off the attacks of the Catholics. But anyway, <laughs> spending my whole life doing that. But anyway, <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> oh, praise God. So I want to talk just a little bit about that. Now, it, it, the Gospels, the four Gospels, give us some information about the Palm Sunday, what it was. A lot of you know their tradition. I think it is Mark and John. They don't give us, they don't give us a whole lot of detail uh, as to what happened. We, we basically get the basics. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. The people said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were waving palm branches and doing all kinds of stuff, throwing their coats on the ground, and religious people got mad. That's what they recorded, but I want to take the two instances that we get, one from Matthew's gospel and one from Luke's gospel. I'll start with the book of Luke. In, in Luke chapter 19 and verse 37, it says this, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all of the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest, which almost sounds a little bit like Christmas, doesn't it? Peace in the heavens and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Now, the religious people that were in the crowd, there were Pharisees, there were Sadducees, two different groups of people. They represented the upper crust of, of, of political life, of religious life in, in, in Israel. And for the people to be declaring Jesus as the son of David, really the Messiah, the king who was coming, really in many people's mind, the king who was coming to liberate the nation of Israel from, from Roman rule, all of those things. The religious leaders understood two things. Number one, in their opinion, people declaring that Jesus was the Messiah was sacrilege. It was sacrilegious because they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. After all, if Jesus was the Messiah, he would have done Pharisee things. He would have done Sadducee things. He would have done things their way, but Jesus did things differently. A couple of weeks ago, we, we, we preached the message, forget what you've heard. Because that's what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 5. You've heard it said that you shall not kill. That's part of the law. You've heard that. You agree with that. But now, I'm saying to you, if you hate your brother, it's just like you killed him. And they're like, whoa, whoa, easy, easy. And you've heard, thou shalt not commit adultery. But now I say to you, if you from your heart lust after that person, you've already done it. Because they were hiding behind the law. And, and the religious leaders of the day, they were saying, well, we've never done all of these things. And so therefore God likes us more than he likes you. And so for Jesus to, to make the declaration or the people around Jesus to make the declaration and Jesus not stopping them as, as the, their Messiah and King, it, it was sacrilegious to them, but it was also treasonous because for Rome to find out, and they're trying to keep the peace between the nation of Israel and Jerusalem and trying to continue to do their religious obligations under the law. And then they were also trying to make, you know, Caesar and Rome and everybody else happy, all of those, all of those political parts. And so they're trying to keep that down, keep it a little bit down so that people wouldn't think that there was an actual king rising up in Israel that might threaten the Roman rule. So that was all going on. And so they said, you guys need to be quiet. Jesus, get your people to shut up. Don't you know what's going to happen? Don't you understand what's going to happen? And he says in verse 40, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. 
Many of you have heard that. If they, if they are silent, the st- and, and I don't know that Jesus was saying these rocks right here. He's, he, remember, he's coming down from the Mount of Olives. He's on the donkey. He's riding into, he passed the walls of, of the city and into Jerusalem through the gate. I don't know if he was talking about the stones that were maybe on the road. I don't know if he's, you know, Habakkuk talks about your, you know, that the walls will cry out. And I don't know if he was maybe quoting from that. But, but I think really what he was saying, he, he was saying it is proper. And it is right and it is good for people to rejoice at my presence, at my coming, because the king of kings, the king of the kingdom, is now coming into his place. And it's, it's right and it's good. It's okay. In fact, if you stop these people from doing it, then all of creation is going to be able to begin to sing out my praise. All of creation, the stars and the sun and the moon and, the, and, and, and everything around is going to start to sing the praise of God. So we, we see that, and he goes into the temple, and, and then we read this in Matthew chapter 21. <clears throat> Basically the same story about the entrance into Jerusalem, but then there's this added, verse 12. Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayers. A house of prayer. Jesus was practicing what he preached. You guys have, have perverted the, the, the purpose and the reason of the house of God. But now I'm come, I've come to reestablish the right order. My house should be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. You've forgotten the purpose. You've forgotten why we do what we do. You, you've missed the meaning. You've missed the point. You have turned this into something that only the good people, only the right people, only the high and lofty people can come into. And Jesus began to open up the doors for everybody. And you see in this next verse, this is one of the things that really ticked him off. It says in verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Up until this point, they weren't allowed in the temple because they were considered unclean. I'm so thankful for this church. We're glad you're here. Don't care what your past was. Don't care what your present was. Don't care what your 15 minutes ago were. Because we believe that a couple minutes in the presence of God change your life it'll change your destiny it will change change the trajectory of your life healthy people don't need a doctor it's the sick actually Jesus when he said that he was talking about the religious people of the day and sometimes we get so religious well they can't be saved well God surely they have to clean this up they have to do that first they have to do all these other things no they don't one thing and one thing only one name and one name only Jesus thank God God, you're good. The blind and the lame came into the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Who are these people? Get these kids out of here. Don't, they're shouting and they're making noise. It's so loud in here, we can't hear. Nobody can hear us. Now, they didn't say anything about the people being healed because they couldn't deny it. And they couldn't do anything because the people were like, whoo, did you see that? Harry, who was blind, he can see now. Hey, Tom. Shh, Tom's like, hey, I've never heard anything for four years, you know, whatever it might be. Quiet down a little bit. Oh, Gimpy over there, he's not Gimpy anymore. <laughs> Praise God. But they were indignant. And what they chose to be indignant about were the kids praising God. 
because they couldn't say anything about the other thing. So they chose to be indignant about the kids praying God. So, so let me just try to paint you a quick picture here. Here comes Jesus on his donkey, riding on a donkey. Anyway, no, it's a pony, isn't it? Anyway, here comes Jesus. He's riding on, on the donkey. People are like worshiping him. They're praising him. They're, they're doing all the different things. He rides right up to the temple. He goes into the temple. The kids have followed him into the temple. One of the things you need to understand about the temple, the temple itself was pretty basic, but Herod at this time, Herod was building, uh, uh, he was actually increasing the, the, the outer courts, the space around it. He was trying to make it a place that, that, that people would want to come to in Jerusalem. And almost, I, I hate to use the word tourist trap, but I don't know if that was the intention, but he was spending a lot of money to make it beautiful on the outside and do all of those different things. And then you've got the upper crust of religious society and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, two different groups of people that often conflicted, but they were unified in their opposition of Jesus. So you have the, the richness of this world and King Herod, you have the religious and the political hierarchy of the day, all, everybody was there. And then you have the kids and have you, have you ever noticed that kids really don't care? That kids are not intimidated by the things that might intimidate you and I? Or that kids really don't care about the religious piety of the day? They don't care about, care, care about rules and regulations often, which is why you have to raise a standard in your family to make sure that your kids are kind of following, raise them up in the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Because, man, they'll go their own way. And so they were crying out, Hosanna. They had it right. Everybody else had it wrong. And so the religious elite of the day, hey, Jesus, make these kids be quiet. Shh, inside voice. Like that ever works. <laughs> what? <laughs> inside voice. Matthew 21, 16. And he, Jesus, said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read? I love Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, do you hear me? Yeah, but have you guys not read this part? Did you miss this? Yes, have you never read? He's quoting from Psalms, Psalms 8. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing inf infants, you have perfected praise. Perfect praise. Perfect praise. Perfect praise. Something uttered from a heart that is free of religious obstruction. Something that is uttered from the heart that is free from the burden of life. Something that is uttered from the heart that recognizes that something powerful, something exciting, and something wonderful is happening. In fact, it is so wonderful that they can't contain their emotion. They can't contain the fullness of what is in their heart. And so it comes out of their mouth in an expression of gratitude and praise and thanksgiving because the king has entered into the courts. The king has come into his rightful place place. The king is now here. And they began to worship and they began to praise and they began to give thanks and they began to sing of, of, of his goodness. Jesus quoted from Psalm chapter 8. In Psalm chapter 8 and verse 2 it says this, again the New King James Version, it says, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength. You've ordained strength. Jesus said that out of the mouth of babes and, and nursing infants you've ordained Praise, perfect praise. Almost said, you've ordained strength. I think that part of the reason that it looks like this is because your praise is your strength. Your praise is your strength. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter four and verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Don't give him a place. 
There's a version of the Bible called the Cotton Patch Translation. My pastor Terry down in Texas, he used to quote this often, and I just have never forgotten it. But he said the Cotton Patch Translation of that verse. It says, when you're in a, well, actually, verse 26 of, of, uh, of, of that says, um, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the neither give place to the devil. Cotton Patch version said, "Don't let the sun go down with you nursing a grudge." Because it's when you are in a sulking frame of mind that the devil has his greatest opportunity. Don't let the sun go down with you nursing a grudge. Because when you are in a sulking frame of mind, the devil has his greatest opportunity. Why do I need strength? Why is praise my strength? For the same reason that, that, that Paul said in Philippians 4, 7 and 4, 8 and 4, 9, that when I offer up my supplication and my prayer with thanksgiving, then the peace of God is going to build a garrison and a guard around my heart and my mind. You see, when I give place to the thoughts of the devil, when I, when I start to nurse the grudge, when I begin to wonder why, 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 when, 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 how come, Lord, what's going on, and all of these other things, when I begin to give place to that, that's when I, I, I'm really, I give place to those thoughts, I give place to the, the temptation to doubt. I now have given him a place in my life that Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, through the apostle Paul said, don't do that. But when I give praise... When I open up my mouth and when I begin to rejoice, God, you see, doubt and fear and, and all of that stuff, that's the language of the devil. That's, that's the language of the kingdom of darkness. But when I begin to allow praise in my mouth, when I begin to allow thanksgiving to flow out of my mouth, that is the language of the kingdom of God. That is the language that God responds to. And it gives God a place in my life. And it's going to build a garrison and a guard and a strength in my heart and in my mind so that my mouth begins to flow forth good things rather than bitter things. Whew. In John chapter 4, it won't take the time to read it. You might be familiar with the story of the woman at the well. And Jesus ministers to this woman, and she finally, at the end of that, asks a question. She said, you know, Jesus, we Samaritans, we worship God one way. You Jews worship God another way. I do need to read this verse to you. It's found in the last part of John chapter 4. Verse 22, she said, you, or Jesus said, you Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship. Well, we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's where? Where is it? Where is it? Let me ask you a question. Is it here? Is it here? Is it here? Because Jesus was speaking of a time. He said, there's a time coming. In fact, it's here. Because I'm here. I think there's a sound of joy. I think there's a sound of praise. I think there's a new song that's being sung. It's a song of joy, a song of victory. Yeah, things are turning sour, going south, maybe in the world around us, but guess what? <laughs> the kingdom of God is here. God is here. Here. Here in my life, in your life, right now. He's here. Now. 
fact, I, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here. Now. It's here. Now. It's here. Now. You may not, in fact, in, in, oh, mm. do you know what Jesus did? I think it's in Matthew's gospel. After, after this whole thing, you know, the rocks, are not the rocks are going to cry out, but, but you hear the kids. Yeah. He quotes from Psalms chapter 8. Out of the mouth of babes, infants, you've ordained strength, you've ordained praise. After that, he wept over the city of Jerusalem. He wept. Because you don't understand that he is here now. And because you didn't receive, because you didn't understand, because you didn't know that he was here now, your children, they're going to suffer. Your lives are going to be turned upside down. There's not going to be one stone left upon another. They missed the day of their deliverance. They missed the day of salvation. But he says, indeed, it's here now when the true worshipers, the true worshipers, that means that there are some that may not be true worshipers, but there's a day, there's a time when the true worshipers are going to worship the Father in spirit and truth. Notice this, for the Father's looking for those who will worship him that way. The Father is looking for, the Father's looking for them. What happens? What happens? What happens when I begin to offer up my prayer and I begin to say, God, I need you in this place. God, I need you in this moment. I need you in this time. And then I begin to offer up praise. I begin to thank God. I begin to worship God. I begin to declare that he is the Lord and he is the God, that there is nobody who is like him. He is greater. He is more powerful. There is more. There is more in God. His very name declares his greatness. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one that will provide. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is my peace. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is God who is my healer. He goes before me. He makes the crooked places straight. He will exalt my valleys, make my mountains low. I will not be afraid. Yeah, God, you cause, Jesus' name, you cause the darkness to tremble. Yes, you absolutely, absolutely do. God says, I seek that. I'm looking for that. I want to inhabit that. In the book of Psalms, chapter 23, 22, and verse 3, we quote it this way. God inhabits the praises of his people. I like this translation, New Living, I think it is. He is enthroned. When you worship God, when you praise God, you are building a place. You are building a place, and you're saying, God, I want you to come right here now where I am because I need you here and I need you now I need deliverance I need strength I need peace I need you here and so God I'm building a throne and I'm asking you I'm asking you to sit on this throne to take up your residence here and I bow before you because you are the one you are my source you are my strength there's nobody who is like you and so Father my mouth will be filled with praise I will enter into your courts with thanksgiving I will enter into your courts with praise I will not be ashamed to declare the greatness of the let's stand up come on church I know you want to let's stand up and praise him oh we worship you we worship you we worship you fill this place fill this place oh father oh father yeah hallelujah oh Samaka. Yeah, Father, we worship you. Father, let there be a sound in this place. Let there be a praise in this place. Let there be a shaking in this place that we, Father God, will be shaken, that we will be stirred, that we will be removed from the things that hold us back and the chains that bind us so that we can worship you, that we can praise you, that we can fill our lungs with the breath that you give us and exalt you. Oh, Father, because you've delivered us, you've redeemed us, you've set us free. Oh, Father, and we declare that freedom today. Yeah, there's joy in this house. There's joy in this house because the King is here. 
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, we praise you. Uh, here. Now. Yeah, Father, let your glory be made known here. Now. Father, let your will be done here. Now. Father God, let your greatness be revealed here. Now. Oh, Father. <laughs> Father in my life. Oh, Father in my life. Here. Now. Father, right here. I don't care about anybody else. I don't care about anyone else. I could care less right now. Father, I want you. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Here. Now. Oh, Father. like Moses here is holy <laughs> because God's here whole oh, at the peace mm, let the peace of God rule let the peace of God reign <laughs> yes some of you have been struggling some of you are tired <laughs> but he's the one who said bring to me your heavy burdens I'll give you rest yeah, lay him down right now. Let it go because the king is here. And he's ministering now. Oh, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. No place like your presence. There's no place I'd rather be. No place like your presence, Lord. No place that I would rather be. It's in your presence that we've got victory, that our very soul and our hearts, our minds are set free. Oh, Father, we thank you. Ha. No chains, no burdens, no oppressions, because I'm free. Ha. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey, which was not typical for somebody who... Donkeys were known as a burden, a beast burden, to carry things, but kings would enter into a city on a donkey when they came in peace. If they were a conquering king, they would come on a war horse to prove their power. Jesus didn't come in that way. Find that donkeys, it was a donkey that Abraham brought his son Isaac, the sacrifice, brought him on a donkey. And I don't think it's an accident that Mary rode a donkey into Bethlehem, a pregnant Mary, with the Savior of the world. Jesus came in a common way. Jesus didn't come in a pretentious way, a powerful way. He came in a way that everybody could receive him. Everybody could receive him, regardless. Regardless of their past, regardless of what they've done, regardless of what has gone on around them, he came that way. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. Close your eyes this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Prince of Peace. I thank you for the King that rides into our heart not as a conquering king, but as a king who loves us so much that we willingly surrender. And if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and you would like to, would you just slip your hand up? I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. God has already done all of the hard work. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, would you just lift your hand up real high? Anyone at all? Praise the Lord. Just hold it up for a second so I can see it. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this atmosphere of praise, your presence here today. I thank you for the peace of God that is guarding hearts and minds today. I thank you, Heavenly Father, (laughs) that wherever we go, your kingdom goes. That wherever we go, we go as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, declaring his light, his life, and his love. And so we thank you for that. I thank you, Father, for your power in this place and in the lives of these people. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.